Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to just spend a couple, a couple of weeks just talking about the Holy Spirit a little bit. Uh, next Sunday in, on the, in the church calendar, it's Pentecost Sunday, and, um, and so we, 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 we celebrate that worldwide as a church. But I just thought we'd have a little bit of an emphasis on the Holy Spirit um, last, this, these next couple of weeks. Uh, we kicked off this year with this uh, idea, let's, uh, let's lift the sails and catch the wind. I felt like the Holy Spirit had been speaking to me about like direction for the future, where we were going as a church, what God was wanting to do with us, and that what it required was for us as a church to lift our sails and catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's kind of a risky thing to do because when you, you know, the Bible re- refers to the Holy Spirit as wind, and it says the wind blows where it wants to go, and sometimes the wind blows in a direction that maybe you don't want to go that direction. And so oftentimes what we do is we just kind of hold back a little bit. We're just not sure that we want to go there. We're not sure that we want to do that, but the challenge, the call for all of us is are we willing to lift our sails and catch the wind of the Holy Spirit? And for some reason, I have just, you know, I, I shared in first, I've been a, a bit unsettled the last several weeks. I don't know why. Um, and I've been just in, essentially unsettled too just in our, in our climate and the culture. There's a lot of rhetoric out there. There's a lot of divisiveness, a a lot of posturing. It's a lot of static. I think sometimes we're just hearing the static. And I've just been feeling this conviction, you know, Lord, we need, a, we need to hear from your Holy Spirit. We need the static to tune out and for your Holy Spirit to tune in. And it's kind of a scary thing, like I said. And maybe you feel right now like, you know, you can watch a little bit of news. And it doesn't take long to watch news these days to feel a little bit weighted, a little bit overwhelmed. In fact, as you start thinking about the, and this, and this, connect, and this touches all of us very personally and very intimately as we think about what's happening in the world around us, um, it's very easy for us to get a bit discouraged, like I said, you watch just a little bit of news and you can feel discouraged by the economy, by the politics, by the, the, the situation in the world. I mean, China, you know, we can get worried about China, you know, all kinds of stuff can worry us and get a bit overwhelmed. And I think sometimes what happens is that with that overwhelming sensation, we begin to feel a bit powerless. Not sure if we can actually change our circumstances, not sure if we can change the circumstances of our, of our family. We feel like maybe a little bit hopeless as well. And it's the temptation then to just retreat and go into a cocoon and kind of hide and just try to control the little circle that you have. And I'm just convinced that in a climate like that, we really need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us tune out the static and help us tune in what the Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this comic strip before. I actually shared with you before in the past, but it's a, it's a comic strip that was on the back of like comic books back 
when I was a kid. So you have to be like really old to remember this comic strip because it was fading out when I was a kid. So if you're like, you're under 40, you're like, I've never seen it before. It's probably the case. But um, basically, it's a, it's a comic strip that would, this would be on the back and it was talk, hey, skinny, your ribs are showing. Like, who does that? Like, who goes to the beach? Hey, skinny, your ribs are showing. <laughs> but that's what happened. And, you know, but, you know it's, all, it's all about this skinny guy. He has a girlfriend. He shows up at the beach. He's skinny. And this big, bulky guy, goes, bully, comes up and punches him, knocks him down, and takes the girl from him, you know. And, and then it's an advertisement, really, for Charles Atlas's book called The uh, Everlasting Health and Strength that the idea is that if you will do his 15-minute workout, you will be strong, right? How many of you remember this ad ever? Some of you do. All the gray hairs in this room, raise your hands. Come on. <laughs> yep. And um, <clears throat> what's funny is that this ad mes- mesmerized me when I was a teenager. I mean, literally did. And this is why. Let's go to the next picture. That's me. That's Ricky Green at 15. See those Massive biceps right there. Man, I tell you what. And that neck, it's like a little pencil neck with a big gigantic eraser on the top, you know. <laughs> I, was so, I was so skinny, you know. So you, you see a little advertisement that says, hey, skinny. And you're like, whoa, yeah, that's for me, you know. And the problem is that Charles Atlas's 15-minute workout didn't really work out. I still stayed skinny, you know. Okay, let's go to the other picture. So I'm not really here to talk about physical strength, actually. Um, But I think sometimes we feel like that skinny guy on the beach when it comes to our spiritual strength. We're navigating through life and like, God, I just gave my life to you. I'm trying to serve you, Lord, but my marriage is still not working out. God, I'm following you and I'm trying to serve you, but Lord, I, I still can't break that addiction in my life. My kids still don't want to talk to me. I still feel tempted to do those other things that I shouldn't be doing. The truth is that we can only go so far in our own strength. We can only go so far in our own ingenuity. We can only go so far in our own capabilities. We need the strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. I'll talk a little bit about that today. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And so this word power here uses the word dunamis, uh, basically explosive power. And so in the New Testament, this power was always connected to being a witness. Now we, we use that word witness and we think, what that means is going out and sharing about Jesus, but it's really more about, it's really about a lifestyle. It's about how you live as a witness. It's about, it's about yes, it is sometimes verbally speaking about Jesus, but oftentimes it's just how you how you live in a countercultural way within the culture that you're living in. And I think that's so appropriate for us today because we live in a culture that is calling us in so many different directions. And it's important for us to tune in to what God wants us to do in this culture, how he wants us to live in this culture. And that's really what the power of the Holy Spirit is all about. But I think sometimes what happens is that we become very, like, If you read through the scriptures, you'll find that the church was incredibly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. But I think we become very, you know, confident in our own strength. Like we have the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit's promised to us, but we don't really, we we got this figured out. We've got this figured out. You know, we can do this on our own. 
And the image I have of that is like I have a tree to cut down in my yard. And so I, I walk through my garage and I have this beautiful steel chainsaw there. And I walk right past the steel chainsaw and pull out my pocket knife. And I'm going to cut that tree down. Now, first of all, it may never come down, right, if I'm using a pocket knife. But it's almost idiotic that I would actually pass by the, the chainsaw and not utilize the chainsaw. Now, I'm not saying this idiotic that we would be self-dependent. I think it's very natural for us to be very self-dependent. But we have, given, we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I. We have the ability to lean into something that's beyond us. It's called the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> what we learn about, really about the Holy Spirit is not about becoming more, more and more self-reliant. It's about becoming more and more spirit-dependent. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, it's about yielding to the Holy Spirit. That's a word that's kind of been floating through my head for the last several weeks. I'm a bit unsettled by the, world, by the word. It's like the Lord is speaking to me about it. Luke talks about this, or Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 24. He says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So, Holy Spirit, so Jesus is talking, he says, listen, I want you to wait. Essentially what Jesus says, I don't want you to do anything until you have the Holy Spirit. Jesus does not say, hey, go on ahead of me, get started, and then, you know, the Holy Spirit will catch up to you. That's kind of how we operate, right? But that's not what happens. What Jesus is saying here, and it's very important for us to understand, is that we are utterly dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are utterly dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. For you to live out your Christian witness, for you to be able to overcome sin, for you to be able to you know, find the, the strength in your own spirit to love your wife or your husband the way Christ wants you to love them, it's all stuff that comes from the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. So it's promised in scripture. Several ways in which the Holy Spirit empowers us. Number one, the Holy Spirit will help you when you're weak. Holy Spirit will help you when you're weak. How many of you ever been weak? Okay. How many of you ever been weak spiritually? That's probably what you thought I was asking, right? You've been weak spiritually. Like, God, I, I don't have the willpower right now to, to live the life that you want me to live. I don't have, I'm, I'm confused, I'm conflicted in my mind about, about the truth of scripture, I'm conflicted in my mind about the truth of what you are trying to say to me and what you want me to do and I just don't know and we feel this conflict going on and we feel weak and the Holy Spirit comes to help us in our weakness. In fact, it's only in weakness, it's only in weakness that we can truly experience his power. But I think a lot of us don't take that approach. I think a lot of us take the approach that I've got 90% of this figured out. I don't need you, God. Like I, you know, I've got some scriptures memorized and I've got some rules follow. I, you know, I've been to church a long time, so I've got some rules I know how to live by. And so I've got 90% of it figured out. I just, Holy Spirit, I just need you for the big stuff. Like, you know, when I, when I, when I can't do something, then I'm going to call upon you. But this is really not the paradigm that scriptures teach. It's about us being utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Spirit's power is demonstrated while we are weak. Now this might come as a surprise to you, but 
God doesn't need your help. He never has and he never will. He doesn't need your ingenuity or your talents. I mean, he gave you those talents. He doesn't need them, right? He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your opinion. He doesn't need your counsel. He certainly does not need your permission. What he needs from you and I is just a yielded spirit. Holy Spirit, here I am. And sometimes when in that yielding, he says, hey, I want you to give that money. Hey, I want you to utilize that talent. Hey, I want you to take that step of faith and not go the direction you think you should go and instead go this direction. But what he needs from you and I is a heart that's yielded to him. So really for this relationship to work, we need to realize that we completely, completely need him. That's hard for us though because we're very, we're very self-reliant. We're very independent people, right? But the Holy Spirit's power shows up the most dramatically in our weakness. And this is proven out throughout church history. In fact, if you go into church history, you look at church history, when the church had no political power, when the church had no you know, financial influence, when the church was not respected in the community per se in terms of like a, as, a, as an alternative religion, it was then, in church history, it was then when it was explosively growing. And it was all because they were completely dependent. When they could not rely on their political influence, when they could not rely on their finances, when they could not rely on other things, they had to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I, you and I need the Holy Spirit. He helps us in our weakness. And so that means if you're here today and you find yourself in a position that you, you're just vulnerable, you're weak, you're stuck, you're in a perfect place right now to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where you are. Some of you understand that, I know. Because I've, I've, uh, I've heard your stories. Some of you have, there are some things that you have gone through that you will never ever want to relive again. Never will. But as you start talking about those stories, and I've heard you tell those stories, as you start talking about those stories, difficult stories. In fact, this week, uh, last night, I was watching a video of a pastor uh, in, our, in our network here in Iowa whose uh, daughter was in a, in a car accident in Cleveland, and, um, in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, I was just watching. It's like a 14, 15-minute video. And I was just crying with this pastor as he's telling a story. She's very you know, traumatic brain injury, d- difficult things happening there. And he's telling a story of what's going on, but then he's thanking everybody on Facebook and friends for praying and stuff. And he starts talking about how God is starting to move and miracles are beginning to happen. And I mean, it's still a very, very tenuous situation. But here's the thing. As you hear the tone, as he's talking about it, you hear the tone, you realize he begins to like shift. And it's like he realizes, God, you're with me. You're walking with us. Like he even says, I don't even know how I would do this without you. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit comes alongside when we are weak. There are times when you feel stuck, vulnerable. Listen, that's when the Holy Spirit most, most wants to appear to you, wants to demonstrate his power to you. Also, the Holy Spirit empowers us by cleaning you up to look like Jesus. (laughs) How many of you need to be clean? Man, you guys should have taken a shower this morning. No, just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, Holy Spirit does that. Comes alongside you and he starts cleaning you up on the inside. 1 Corinthians 6 says, but you were washed, 
You are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This word sanctified that the Apostle Paul uses here is, it's really basically just means becoming more and more like Jesus. He's cleaning you up to look more and more and more like Jesus. It's not about trying harder. It's not about, you know, effort. It really is, again, about yielding to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. And when this happens, it's a powerful witness. When the Holy Spirit starts cleaning you up, people notice, people see it, and they're like, whoa, what, why is he doing that? How is he changing? I mean, many of you have experienced this. Some of you totally understand this. I mean, like you used to, you used to react in anger, but now, but now you respond in gentleness. Right? You used to be really upset and over, you know, overwhelmed with things, but now God is giving you this an amazing sense of peace. You used to be selfish, but now you're kind. You used to be frustrated and constantly on edge, but now you have this, this patience about you. And some of you know that because you're sitting next to the person that used to be the case. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. I had a conversation with a young lady on, on Friday night who came up to me and she was just talking about how God is changing her husband. <laughs> and, uh, and she's just amazed. She's just blown away about how he's so radically different than how he was just a few months ago. And I just keep thinking, this is not self-help, effort, strength, power in myself. It's really the work of the Holy Spirit. He helps us and he cleans us up. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Also, the Holy Spirit empowers us by helping us know God's will. Um, John 14, 26, Jesus is, you know, he's, he's talking about the Holy Spirit here in John 14, 26. He says, he will teach you, and your version might say he will guide you. He will teach you all things and will remind you of all that I, I said to you. Now, I, as a pastor, I often get this question. Pastor Rich, I, I, don't, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what God's will is for my life. I wish I knew what God's will is for my life. And, and you know, and that's a big, that's a, that's a super question. That's a big question up there. What is God's will for my life? But then it's even in other areas like I've got three choices here. I don't know which one to take. I have five options. And I'm not sure which one's the best option. And sometimes we use our ingenuity to come up with some of the best options. But, but oftentimes they're all good options. And we just don't know which one's which. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit comes and he can guide us. He can walk us through that. This is what I've come to terms with. It's less, it's less, I mean, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, it's less and less about revelation, like God speak to me, tell me what it is, and more and more about relationship. It's about walking step in step with the Holy Spirit, day in, day out, day in, day out. And you never say, what am I supposed to do? Well, you don't, you don't have to, because if you're holding hands and walking, he's just kind of taking you wherever you're supposed to be. And you get to that place, and you're like, yeah, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. But you never actually pose the question, what am I supposed to do in life? Because you're walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit. He will teach you. He will guide you. An example of this is found in Acts chapter 15. I love this. When you read the book, I encourage you really to read the book of Acts as we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Because 
What you find in the book of Acts is the church was completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. More than 50 times it mentions the Holy Spirit. And almost every single time it mentions the Holy Spirit, it's in, it's, it's in relation to guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit. An example of that is Acts 15. Um, the, there were the, 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 the apostles were writing a letter to some Gentile believers, some new believers that were not Jewish. And, uh, and this is what they write. They write this letter. It's a long letter about what they can do, what they cannot do. But they, they started by saying this. And this is, it's just so, it's so, it's so simple it's, and it's so refreshing. He said, they, they say, it seemed good, Acts 15, 28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit. When I read this line right here, what it tells me is this is not about revelation. This is about relationship. Like they're in communion with the Holy Spirit. They're walking with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of what I want. That's how I want it to be. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Now this was uncharted territory for them. Up to this point, all believers were from Jewish descent. So that meant that they were born-again Christians, okay, but they still went to the synagogue. They were born-again couples that the wife would have a baby, and then at eight days, they'd take the baby, I think eight, whenever, however long it is, uh, they'd take the baby to be circumcised. They were still practicing circumcision. They were still following the law of Moses because they were Israelites. They were Jewish, Right? But then these Gentile believers, you know, um, start believing in, in Jesus Christ, and they don't practice those things. And so this was very uncharted territory for them. They were very nervous about the, you know, what to do about these new believers who don't practice the things that they practice. And I love when they give the recommendation, they said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Like it's not, we're not going to tell you to fit in this box. We're not going to tell you to do it this way. We're just simply going to say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? What are you saying in terms of guidance here? Now let me say something about guidance. It's important that we understand where guidance comes from, okay? Holy Spirit wants to lead you, wants to guide you. We're always, here at Life Church. we're always open. We used to say things like, you know, we, 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 we're, we're willing to do new things in new ways so we can advance the kingdom of God. But one of the questions that we always asked ourselves was, how does, this, how does this align with Scripture? Does the Scripture prevent us from doing this new initiative? Or is this guidance basically, you know, late night pizza or burritos or something, right? And so we'd always ask those questions. Uh, a, a few years back, I got a, a, a call. Uh, in fact, I want to let you listen to this in a second. It was kind of disturbing, the call that I got. Here's the recording of the, the voicemail. Go ahead and listen. Hello. We have been trying to reach you. This call is officially a final notice from IRS. Internal Revenue Services. The reason of this call is to inform you that IRS is filing lawsuit against you. To wow. get more information about this case file, please call immediately on our department number 859-475-1922. I repeat, 859-475-1922. Thank you. That was a, a message left on my phone. And uh, it was a little unsettling, I have to be honest, but I got it. You know, the IRS is calling you. And, you know, it's, 
I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about tax season and all that kind of stuff, you know. And, but I didn't feel super scared because it was just kind of weird. It just felt fishy, you know. But I, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't want to just, I don't want to act like it's not real, so I'm going to call. So I called the number they gave me, and I got to talk to a guy named Franklin. Now, Franklin's first language was not English. And the, and, 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 and the first thought that hit me is like, who is teaching grammar to IRS agents these days? Because it didn't sound, it didn't sound like, you know, exactly what I would expect to hear. And so we have this conversation, Franklin and I, and it was a multiple phone call conversation because, uh, off the, you know, Franklin would get mad at me and he'd hang up on me. <laughs> and then I'd call back and, and I thought I was talking to Franklin, but I know the, the accent was a little bit different. It's like, no, 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 this is a different Franklin. But anyways, I talked to different Franklins, you know, and finally at one of the conversations they said, he said, the police will be at your house within 24 hours if you don't fix this, this thing on your tax return. And I just like blew it off at that point, you know. And I was, to be honest, I, w I really wasn't worried because it didn't match up with what I know about the IRS. Like I know, <laughs> I know that the IRS, first of all, if you have an issue with your tax return, they're going to send you a letter and say, hey, you owe us more money. That's how they respond usually. Okay, and if it ever, ever boils down to law enforcement, they're never going to call you and say, in 24 hours, we're going to be there. <laughs> it's like, you got time to escape. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. <laughs> they don't do that, you know, they just show up, you know, so that's, that's how it is. So here's the deal. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. He wants to give you a, you know, insight into the direction. You, and it's about a relationship with the Holy Spirit, walking step in step with the Holy Spirit. But you always test it against what you already know, which is the word of God. Always test it against the word of God. In fact, that's why it's so important. That's why we talk about, that's why we have a class called Biblical Literacy here. Because it's all about understanding and knowing the word of God. If you know the word of God, that's 90% of the guidance that you need. And then the Holy Spirit comes along and says, hey, this, I've done this before. You could I'll do it again with you. All right? Lastly, the Holy Spirit also shows his power by gifting you to be a blessing for others. In 1 Corinthians 12, there's this interesting dynamic that's happening. Um, Paul talks about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, but the Corinthian church is a bit divided. They had been misusing the gifts, and they were kind of like, they kind of like decided these gifts are more, more important gifts than these gifts. And if you have these gifts, well, like you're on varsity. And if you have these gifts, you're on JV. And you're probably not going to play a whole lot. You're just going to be on the bench, you know. That was kind of how they were. And so it was a lot of division going on, which is pretty interesting because of all the letters that Paul wrote, this is a church that probably operated mostly in, in charismatic spiritual gifts. And it was the most divided church, which is kind of crazy and wild. Because really, the gifts of the church are to help the church. It's actually to foster unity rather than bring disunity. And so Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12, 4. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. So it's God, it's the Holy Spirit that gives these gifts. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And so Paul's saying, look, there's no room for pride or, or self-righteousness based on the gift that you have. After all, it was a gift. You didn't earn it. 
You didn't buy it. You're not good enough to get it. It was simply given to you. And if that's the case, if that's how you understand these gifts, then you, you should be humbled by that. You should be saying more instead of like, look at me. You should be saying, thank you, God, that you would actually entrust this with me. And that fosters unity again. He goes on, verse 7. A spiritual gift, gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So if you have a spiritual gift, this is why you have a spiritual gift. So you can help each other. Not so you can walk around and say, I have this amazing gift. I'm the greatest. <laughs> Nobody does that. I mean, maybe some people do that, but I know you don't do that. He goes on, verse 8. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same, the same Spirit gives great faith to another. I, I love the gift of faith. This is something that God actually kind of, I feel like, uses me occasionally in. When somebody walks into my office and they're like so discouraged about their circumstances and feel like there's just no hope. And I feel like the Lord just begins to speak to me about how to encourage them and to help them have faith for their circumstances. And I love those conversations that come in and that's how they feel. And by the time they leave, they're like, okay, God, you've got this. Give the faith. God gives us these gifts to help other people, right? Um, uh, faith to another and to someone else. The, Holy, the, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. So there's gifts of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. Another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone, someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. And so like, you know, I'm preaching and I say something really wild and you're like, well, well, well you not, you know, just come, come up to me and say, hey, Rich, what you said was kind of weird. I don't know if it lines up with scripture, right? That's what that gift is for. Um, just don't ever do that, but yeah, that's what that gift's for. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <clears throat> Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And so if you're treating other people as less than because you have certain gifts or if you feel a little bit haughty because you somehow know that God is used in a certain way, you need to understand that's not what the Holy Spirit wants. In fact, you're not being critical of another person. You are actually being critical of the giver of the, of the gift, which is the Holy Spirit. Right? So then Paul goes on and uses this metaphor about the human body and the many parts. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 29, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown language? All rhetorical questions because the obvious answer is of course not. And what Paul is saying here is basically you've been gifted and you've been gifted and you need each other. We all need each other. We should not be haughty about our gift. We should not feel like proud about like we somehow know that this is what I've got. Instead, what we should recognize is that God, you have given me something for the benefit of somebody else. And we need each other. And there's not a single person in this room, Paul says it, there's not a single person in this room that has all the gifts that you don't need anybody else. We all need each other. So the invitation is simple. If you feel weak, if you feel powerless, if you feel confused, just know that God has given us the wonderful Holy Spirit. He can guide you, he can encourage you, he can build you up. 
And our simple response is, Holy Spirit, I just want to... I just want to experience your power. I want to experience your, what, you do, what you can do in my life. Now remember, that's a dangerous prayer. When you say, Holy Spirit, I just went, you know, the idea that I said, lift the sails and catch the wind, that's dangerous. The imagery we used at the beginning of the year when we were talking about that was you're sitting in a nice, peaceful harbor. And, uh, you know, if you lift the sails, who knows? The wind might blow you out into the open sea. And it might be a little bit scary. And it might be all hands on decks and you're not going to be worried anymore about shining the brass anymore on the, sh- on the ship because you might just have to do some work. And you might be doing some things that you're not exactly sure. There might be some cross training that has to happen because you've not, you're not familiar with this, you're not familiar with that, but you've got to get involved. It's all hands on deck because the Holy Spirit is guiding you that way. It's scary. A great example of that for us here at Life Church is Kingdom Builders. Uh, I've, I've shared this, so I'm telling you these things. You know these things. I've been saying it, you know, but in the last five years, you, Life Church, you've given over $2 million to Kingdom Builders. Money that comes in and leaves the building. You've done that. We were able to write a check to Paul Herkman a couple months ago, uh, ex- Executive Director of, of Venture Missions up in Minneapolis that does ministry for the, the least reach people with, you know, justice kind of ministry. And uh, we were able to write him a check for $20,000 the day he came because of your generosity. But it's important for you to know the backstory of Kingdom Builders. Six years ago, I was sitting in my office. We had just gotten into this building. I was a little nervous about the increased bills of being in this building. Like, we didn't have, we had less people. We had debt. We had a lot of things that still needed to be, get done. And I was sitting in my office and I was praying and I was like really just complaining to God, I don't know how we're going to make it. We don't have enough money to pay the bills. We don't, you know, we have to service this debt now. We don't know how we're going to do that. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that were just running through my head. And I, and honestly, I was, I was a little bit scared. And then I was clear as day, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. And basically this, so Rich... If you'll take care of my business, which is reach the loss and build a, build, build a church, in other words, not bought number church, but a, build, a, build a community of faith. If you will take care of my business, I will take care of the church. Like, like that was, what we're talking about, that was Holy Spirit guidance to me. It's like God was saying something very specific to me. If you will take care of my business, I will take care of the church. And so I, had, I was at a crossroads. I had to make a decision. Am I going to concern myself with God's business or am I going to be consumed with debts and, you know, the, you know, the paying the bills and all that stuff? And so I sat there, I shared it with our board. I shared it with, uh, with our team. And we all felt like, yeah, this is the Holy Spirit, so let's do this. And so out of that, Kingdom Builders was birthed. And so we launched Kingdom Builders the first year. And we said, we're going to raise $120,000 for missions and we're going to send it around the world. <laughs> And, and I was, I'd get, I'm the one, I'm the one up here saying, we're going to do this, hallelujah, praise God. And everybody's like, yay, yay. But I was also secretly like saying, they're going to give all their money to kingdom builders and we won't be able to pay our electric bill. So that's what's going on in my head, right? And yet, when you step out and you say, okay, Holy Spirit, you're leading me, you're guiding me, we're going to trust, we're going to trust the wind. I mean, what's happened in the last six years is financially is nothing less than a miracle. 
what you have done. And you know what? We haven't missed a single electric bill. You can trust. You can trust. You can trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's all stand. <clears throat> you know, sometimes I have these conversations about the Holy Spirit, and I know we're going to move the tape with TV and stuff here in a second, but I've got a, I've got a prayer that I... Um, I've, I've, in my Christian faith, I've grown up in a Pentecostal church, and I've seen spiritual excesses and abuse when it comes to that. I've been, you know, I've been bothered by things. I've seen, I've seen where we've completely dim dismissed the Holy Spirit altogether, like we don't even believe it anymore, you know. <clears throat> and I've just come to terms with this. As uh, the longer I become a Christian, I realize that God, the Holy Spirit is not, he, he's, he's a gentleman. He, 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 wants, he wants to walk with you. He wants to minister. He wants, he wants, Holy Spirit, more than you do, the Holy Spirit wants your marriage to be restored. More than you do, the Holy Spirit wants, wants your, your, your family to, to be in, in order. And so we all come to him with all kinds of challenges and baggages and stuff, you know, and, but we need the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's a prayer that I, I, I've encouraged people to pray when, when they have questions about the Holy Spirit is, it's just simply pray this, Holy Spirit, I want to know you personally. And I put the word personally there because I think too often we think of the Holy Spirit as a force, an energy out there that's, you know. And so we, we view it doctrinally. It's out there, some powerful thing. But the Holy Spirit's a person. And the same way that I talk to my wife, we wake up in the morning, hey, how are you doing? What are you doing today? I can have those same conversations with the Holy Spirit, the person. I want to know you personally. I welcome you into my life. And this is very important. This is the part that we were talking about, the yieldedness. I welcome you into my life, and I want you to be my closest friend. And I want to challenge you to pray this prayer. Here's why I'm saying this, because I've been, the last couple of weeks, a bit unsettled in my own spirit. I feel like where we were, where we were six years ago, with making some radical changes that resulted in kingdom builders, I feel like we're at that crossroads today again. I don't know exactly what that is. I know that there are buildings that we need to think about buying for Cedar Rapids. I know that we need to think, we're thinking about us having a property here in Corville. <clears throat> there's part of that. There's also, there's also part of what I see from a discipleship standpoint. I think there's some of you sitting here that you would say, I love being here. And the Holy Spirit's prompting you. The Holy Spirit's talking to you saying, hey, I want you to step up. I want you to not halfway lift your sail. I want you to raise that sail. And you're scared. And you're not sure what to do next. And you're just like, you're, I, I, but Lord, where are you going to take me? I don't, I, I don't want to be one of those crazies. I don't want to go over there, you know. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to have to quit my job. I don't want to do these kind of things. God, Holy Spirit, where are you leading me? But you can trust the Holy Spirit. And that's really the challenge for all of us. Next week we'll talk more about it. But today I just want to encourage us to pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, I want to know you personally. I want you to be my closest friend. I want to experience your power in my life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you, God, for your presence in this place. And I thank you, God, that you're speaking to us, even right now.
Holy Spirit, you're inviting us into a greater walk with you, a personal walk with you, Holy Spirit. Lord, just help us to get past our intellectual challenges. Help us to get past our our fears and our concerns of what that might look like. Help us, Holy Spirit, to yield. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.